0: thousands of birds flying everywhere which way to look the catches that they're all shorebirds so make sure to bring your book
1: thank you for tuning into hannah and eric go birding a podcast by birders for birders
0: i'm hannah and he's eric
1: we we created this podcast to share adventures sometimes misadventures and opinions that we have on different birding topics we're definitely not experts. Anything that we discussed might be controversial. I want you to remember: their own opinions, and they might be different from yours.
0: I like how you laugh after I sing my song. Like you didn't already know what it was going to be. I so
1: I read the words to it, but I didn't. I I hadn't I hadn't like processed. The inflection and yeah, is where it gets you. I hadn't processed it. And it was, it's, it's it's silly. Thank you. <laughs> you don't have to roll your eyes at that. <laughs>
0: So it is getting to the end of August um right about when our pu- our tufted puffins are going to leave. So
1: And our shorebird migration is starting to jump.
0: Yes, and everybody was just you know wild about a brant today in our area. <laughs> well, we've
1: had a we've had a brant. Um it's a, a a sea-going goose. Hannah refers to it as a formal goose. I do. Yes. Um but it's been hanging out of the mouth of the creek for almost a week now um here in Cannon Beach. So Well,
0: folks are saying it's molting.
1: Oh, is that what's going on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's been just hanging out at the mouth of the creek for like a week, so, which it's it's not like an unusual place for it. I don't think I've ever seen one in Cana Beach. Getting, I, haven't, I haven't gone down to go look at it either. Getting so. a
0: fall migration though. I, yeah. I want to go do some beach cruising. Yeah. I've been trying to figure out how to talk you into doing that <laughs> some afternoon or morning or something. <laughs> See what shorebirds are popping up. Yeah. So... If, we, if, if I can get my butt out of bed and... Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want to say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess some we'll jump into some news. So October eighth, which we mentioned in the last episode, will be the next big day. So stay tuned for another go birding team. Hope you'll all join us. Um, we had a lot of fun last time, and so we'll see if we can do better this time. Let's beat our score from last time.
1: Yeah, with a fall migration instead of a spring migration.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So that's a couple months away still.
1: Yeah, it's always it's away. I guess we'll talk about it every every two weeks for the next three months. I don't know. We'll Sorry. See. <laughs> we'll see.
0: Um, we also wanted to mention an app that we learned about when we were at Bird Fair called Birda. It used to be Chirp, mm-hmm. and now it's Birda. I was
1: pretty excited for it when it first started way back, I don't know, this is probably three, four years ago? Maybe. Uh, when when Chirp like started... Started up, it was only it was, I think it was only in the UK, but I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. It's kind of a mix between eBird and social media, mm-hmm. like put, putting it together so you can post updates and post post about birds and stuff. And then it kind of disappeared for a little bit, and then now it's it's been um, rebranded as Birda.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We met some of the people while we were over at Bird Fair that that are kind of key, and um, I, th- I think they were the actual developers.
0: I think yeah, yeah, different folks at work yeah, so but it, it was
1: it was really interesting talking with them and so we we got um, um, the beta test stuff so we've been playing around with it a little bit. it's It's pretty fun to play with
0: yeah, and like Eric mentioned it's it's like a combination of social media and eBird and you know we love eBird. It is you know a fun program that we can't talk enough about uh, but we've often talked about like, oh, it'd be kind of fun to have a social aspect to this too. And yeah. so, Berta really kind of rolls that in there, too. So, it's it's neat that you can go, you can have friends on it, and you can follow their lists and see what they're seeing.
1: Yeah. So, it's coming soon to the U.S. market as yeah, on, on regular podcast, or regular podcast, regular phone apps, but I don't know, I don't know how soon it's coming, because we got we got in with the beta, like I said, which is it's fairly simple. I think if you just email them, you can get into the beta, and then start. Sending them feedback as to what's what's going on if you like it or what you don't like about it and all that.
0: But. It, it was so funny, though. I mean, like, I downloaded it, and then I was just, like, scrolling through, you know, all of the, the things on my feed, I guess. Mm-hmm, yeah. And there was someone in Washington State, which, hmm. you know, isn't very far from us, that was posting. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's somebody else in the U.S., wild and then I went and looked at their profile and they're like in the UK they're like UK based they're like, UK based so oh, okay. they
1: downloaded it while they're over there they got all the permissions and stuff and they just started posting over here I guess so so right.
0: yeah it's kind of funny and you can also post pictures of your sightings too so I mean it's a, it's a great combination of all those different things so yeah. um I'm sure that'll be rolling out soon so you can I'm excited check to it see out. where it goes yeah definitely but we still love eBird too yes so well,
1: they, they each have their place
0: yeah exactly <laughs> Um, so something that we wanted to mention that we forgot to talk about in our last episode of bird fair
1: and we came to apologize enough
0: <laughs> is that when we were at the Columbia booth, uh, like chatting with the the folks that came from Columbia, mm-hmm. um, nature Columbia to, yeah. you know, try to sell coming to Columbia. And we had the most amazing moment when Michael and Daniel stopped to say hi to us.
1: Yeah, so we we were in the middle of talking talking with the with the gal there that's uh, that was running um, Nature Columbia, and we're trying to t- we're telling her when we're coming, what we're, what we're what we're kind of looking to do, and then all of a sudden we're like, we hear out of the, from behind us, "Hey, is that Hannah and Eric?" <laughs> and they turn around, and be like, uh, "Yeah," and it it was. Uh, Michael and Daniel, just um, two two dudes that live over in in the UK that are listeners, and g- had a great conversation with them. Oh they're, yeah, they're, but and they and they put Hannah on the spot for a song, which you didn't have one right <laughs> then and there, but you had one like like twenty minutes later, a half I, hour later. Yeah, and I
0: keep looking for him.
1: To <laughs> like <laughs> we 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 got to find him and, and like, throw the song at him.
0: Well, don't email me because I forgot the song, so
1: I'll try to think it. I, I was hoping you were going to remember right no, now I sing don't.
0: it No, <laughs> I don't. Um, but it was super cool to meet you all. We met a lot of you know folks at Bird Fair, a lot of people that we knew, or... Um, maybe new on social media. We,
1: we we met the curly pelican from Lithuania, yeah. who's who started another podcast.
0: So we're gonna need some so. different swag next year because everybody already got our swag this year.
1: Yeah,
0: we'll <laughs> <laughs> have to do like drawstring bags next year. Yeah. So somebody give us some money so we can buy that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or
1: or donate your money to a nonprofit that's doing conservation work.
0: That's probably a better use of yes. it.
1: <laughs> I think it's a better use of it.
0: Um. So last thing, uh, news wise. Um, I am trying to you know be accountable with my new year's resolutions, and i my new year's or my new year's goals what somebody suggested we say instead my new year's goal was to read a book a month, and um this book took me like two months and not because it's bad. it was just because I ran out of time you know there weren't enough sunlight hours in the middle of summer for me to accomplish all the things that I wanted to do. And so I finally got a chance to finish it. And it's like the most incredible book that I've ever read. It's called Woman Watching by Marilyn Simmons. I've mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it's just such an incredible book. And I, I I wanted to, I had a friend stop by that loaned me a book that she was reading. And I almost like loaned her mind. But it's like, but what happens if I don't have it anymore? I need it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways it's it's so good and next up is learning the birds by susan fox rogers so you can follow me on goodreads so i'm on goodreads so it, my handle is probably hannah goes birding i imagine um but if, <laughs> you're on, if you're on goodreads hit me up
1: so we had a review over this last uh, period it is a rather extensive review and i really appreciate um the thoroughness of this review i don't know how much i should read through it i guess i'll start reading and once i start trailing I'll just, off we'll, we'll jump to the end i'll just give you a motion um, but i but i do appreciate that that's that's that uh um paul from wisconsin gave such a thorough and uh complete review of the podcast uh it was a f- four out of five i met hannah and eric at the rio grande valley birding festival in 2018 while on a trip they were guiding at the end of the trip i recall them saying hey we have a podcast you should all check it out i thought hmm did i meet some famous birders i didn't think much about it and um, until getting back home and having run out of podcasts to listen to on my commute, remembered the field trip, so I listened to a couple episodes, and for some reason it just didn't click. Not sure if it was the unpolished aspect or too much or too much banter, but in any case, I unsubscribed and moved on. Fast forward to 2022, after my second trip to the RGVBF with a buddy who's a fan of the podcast, I decided to give it another try, starting with the latest episode. It took a bit, but started warming up to it. I've done a lot of state birding this year, Wisconsin and enjoy listening to bird-related podcasts while driving between locations, and I've listened to well over half of the back episodes, I came to realize the intent of this podcast isn't like the other, more formal bird podcasts. Rather, it's to share real-life experiences and spread their enthusiasm about birds and birding. Hannah with an H, Eric with a K are passionate, down-to-earth birding folks who are fun and educational to listen to. I particularly enjoy the recaps of visiting specific birding locations and festivals. It gives real-world insight that reading brochures, websites, and online reviews can't. My list of places to visit has grown substantially, so he he goes on. Why after this only just four stars? I'm a little stingy with my fi- with my fifth star. That's all. I'm I've probably only given it, given out a single five star podcast review. Maybe this will earn that five star by the time I'm done catching up. Well, I really hope it does, Paul. Um, hopefully, it uh, it'll it'll get that fifth star. But uh, you know, I really appreciate all of the all of the the effort that you put into reviewing the podcast because. I know it takes some time to actually write a review, and it takes effort and all that stuff, so thank you so much for that.
0: Yeah, thank you. So, I had a new episode out of Women Birders Happy Hour.
1: Last week, right? Last week, oh, yep. man.
0: And I interviewed Bella Zhang, who lives in China okay. and is a guide over there, um, and the drink for that episode was a black-throated tit, so check that out anywhere you listen to podcasts.
1: So, our upcoming travel, um, we... Um, are going to be going to Columbia.
0: And we've had some folks email us about, like, suggestions and stuff, so yes. thank you and very we much. really
1: appreciate that, because we re- we asked on the last episode if um, anyone has suggestions, and we got some suggestions, so that's super cool. Um, we are also going to be going to the Rio Grande Valley Birding Festival in <laughs> November. We finally, we, we got our invitation. We got uh, the golden ticket. <laughs> we got the ticket just, to, just a couple days ago, so we're super excited. Can't, <laughs> can't wait to go back. Um, I think we're, I think, um, they're mixing it up a little bit this year, so... So we're super excited to get back down there. Um, can't wait. Um, we also have the North Shore Birding Festival in December, and that's in uh, Lake Apopka, Florida. We have also San Diego Bird Festival in February, and then Featherfest in Galveston in April of 2023. So handful of festivals coming up. We can't wait to see some of you guys out there and then also get down there and show some people some birds.
0: And I included a little thing on our website of, like, our... I wanted to call it a tour schedule. <laughs> like I we're... thought,
1: that sounded like we're giving tours.
0: I know, but I thought it sounded like we're a band. <laughs> so...
1: <laughs> we're to- we're touring the country. Exactly. Yeah, I, 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 was... can, I can see that, but like we're talking about birding, so it's like there's bird tours. I know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about making a shirt like 2022 tour. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I, follow- I followed them all around the country. <laughs> If you guys think, were... think, think, think about like a deadhead following around Grateful Dead, like all around the whole country. <laughs> if
0: we had some groupies, that'd be awesome.
1: <laughs> right, real quick. Uh, okay. So the August Birdner giveaway.
0: You all came in droves. Oh right? my gosh, we, <laughs> we have almost so many we almost
1: filled an entire calendar. Seriously, it was it was close. Like there was and there was only only two people that. That did the same day.
0: Yeah, but it was at the very end. It was on the same day.
1: Literally, the last two entries were for the same day. I I don't know how that happened. What was it? It was like April fifteenth. It was March fifteenth. March fifteenth. Yeah. And literally nobody else said duplicate dates, which is like impossible. Because what would you say? It was if you if you're in a room with twenty six people.
0: Twenty six people people are in a room together. it's It's like
1: statistically unlikely that someone won't have the same birthday as someone else.
0: I guess that's one way to say it. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, say, say the double ultra un- unreversed. It's probably
0: that's probably wrong, but I th- I think I've read that somewhere.
1: Yeah. So like the fact that we got so many entries and only two of them were the same date. That yeah. was that was pretty spectacular. Yeah. So, um what is this date you ask that we're talking about? Um we got an we got an autographed copy of, of Dominic Cousins' book A Bird a Day which he goes through 366 days. including County for the leap year. Including a leap year. And assigns a bird to each day. And then gives a whole description and all, all this stuff about the bird. So it's really really fascinating book. So we asked everyone to send us your bird that you would like to assign to any particular day for whatever reason. There's lots of people. It's their birthday. It's their favorite bird. It's um, their favorite number. It's their mom's birthday. Their wife's birthday. Wh- whatever it was they assigned Different different dates to different... uh, They weren't all birthdays, but that's all I can think of right now. Um, But they assigned different dates to different things. And their favorite bird, or a bird that represents that sort of time frame. Hannah and I chose um, a couple birds. I chose Tufted Puffin for April 3rd. um, And then Hannah chose Great Kiskity for November 11th. And so we had tons and tons of entries. And we had a winner.
0: Randomly selected winner. Randomly
1: selected winner out of all of the entries. um,
0: I did like a double blind random too
1: so anyways. anyways
0: our winner was um from instagram it, the handle is hey now explorers um who chose may 5th and long curlew so at hey now explorers uh you have a really cool book headed your way
1: yeah super super excited
0: so thank you all to everyone who entered and uh check us out next month for the next bird nerd giveaway and if you have any one that would want to collab with us for a bird nerd giveaway, you know. Just uh, drop us a, a line because we're always looking for cool things to give away to you all.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and is collab a good shortening of collaborate? That's what people use. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I've never seen it. Collab. Collab. Yeah. It just, it just seems like so many syllables to be like a shorthand for something. I didn't make it up. I, I, I I'm sure. I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah. So, anyways, main story. This is where we're at.
0: So I'm so excited about this. And this, man, this whole UK trip, I was like, on (laughs) cloud nine. I mean, it wasn't raining. It was hot. I was hanging out with friends. I got to go see puffins. And this bird fair that had been, you know, messing with my mind for like three years that I wanted to go to. (laughs) And then this.
1: So Hannah, Hannah heard all about this. This is something that she... That she heard about when she interviewed uh, Lottie Glover um, for her other podcast, Women Burners Happy Hour, like back in like June?
0: It was a couple months ago. And Lottie had like just kind of offhandedly mentioned like she went to go see the Waiter Spectacular. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Like. Whatever. <laughs> I, I guess that sounds cool. <laughs> um, and then I dug into it further and it was like, holy moly, this thing is spectacular hence its name, and it was just serendipitous that we were going to be going to the UK shortly after I interviewed her, so I researched the heck out of it, and I twisted Eric's arm until he was like, okay, okay, let's go.
1: It didn't take much arm twisting. I mean, it was, let's go see this interesting bird phenomena. Yeah, but it's like an hour and a half away. Oh,
0: no, I don't want to go see an interesting bird phenomena. (laughs) Don't make me. So, anyways, um, did some research. There's actually like a handful of blogs about the wage spectacular. Yeah. But I feel like there really isn't that much information
1: about it. So surprisingly, for what it was and what we saw while we were out there, I feel like there should be like a pretty large plethora of information. There their RSPB does a great job of Oh sure. Providing yeah. like the details of how how to view it and where to go, where to park, how much it costs, all that stuff, the accessibility of the trail, all that stuff. But there wasn't like any like what are you expecting? Until you got out there, there was interpretive panels all over the place that had all that information, but you're already there at that point. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it was kind of surprising that there wasn't more stuff that we found beforehand.
0: Well, and now there's an hour long podcast episode about this yes, whole thing. There will there so, will
1: there will be once we're done editing this. So
0: this is going to be the pinnacle of all information about <laughs> this because it'll be a, have been the longest.
1: It'll be the longest of all of the information that's out there
0: about it. Anyways, so Snedasham is the RSPB site where this occurs, and they have a great schedule on their website of the best days um, of the spectacular. And so perusing that, I realized that every day of bird fair is a good spectacular day. And I don't know if, like, the A spectacularly
1: spectacular day?
0: Yeah. I don't know if bird fair was, was set up around this but I, I it just it, it worked out you yeah know? I,
1: I think it just worked out because for the most part bird fair seemed to be mostly about the fair yeah not anything that's going on around it because they used to they used to hold a little bit later in the year when mm-hmm. when the puffins were all gone too
0: yeah so it,
1: it like this year it just happened to line up with good good birding times which may, maybe that wasn't purpose to bump it back a little bit so that you can bird a little bit while you're in the area. But, um, but just a reminder, Bird Fair is, um, it was occurring in Rutland, England. And, um, Snedisham is almost two hours straight east. Mm-hmm. Um, you go out to the coast, um, and it's, it's almost two hours. It's like an hour and 45 minutes or so.
0: Something like that. Out,
1: out to there. Um, once, once you get out there, there is a parking fee. It's like, it was like two, two pounds or something for, for parking. It, it, it was relatively inexpensive. It's free if you're a member of RSPB, so... Those that are living, those that are members of RSPB that are listening, it's free to park there. You can, but if you don't, if it's not free for you, you can pay with credit card. I think the machine took cash too. It was mm-hmm. like one of those digital machine things. Um, so we got there, we got there pretty, pretty early. Oh, and there is no bathrooms.
0: Yeah, so yes. we, in our two episodes ago when we talked about um, going to see the Puffins, mm-hmm. we talked you know, at length about how fantastic that site is and how, you yeah. know, there's all these resources there and there's, you know, a nice visitor center with bathrooms and a cafe and all that stuff. This is definitely the exception to that. So <laughs> to at is least it? the RSPB sites that yeah. we've experienced. Um, so not not to say that's bad or anything like that. I'm no, just they saying. Just don't have bathrooms. Well, and there's no, like, central building.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It was just, there's, there's a parking lot. That they share with the, um, the the
0: Kingsland Angling Association.
1: Yeah, so they, they worked with the Angling Association to set up these ponds. The RSPB did, um, and now they kind of share a parking area, a car park with mm-hmm. with that. So there's people that are there that are not birding that are there just to go fishing too. So I I, I thought that was interesting, but but yeah, no no fa- no other facilities, just the just the um, the pay station. But yeah, so we got there. At like 6.40-ish in the morning. It said I, to
0: get there at 6.30. Yeah, we
1: were supposed to get there at 6.30. So we were, we were running late a little bit already. So I was like, hurry up and pay. And we kind of assumed that the... So the, the whole thing, it tells you to get there at 6.30. Mm-hmm. Because they have figured out that it's the spectacular is likely to culminate at such and such time. and With they, the tide. With the tide. And they calculate how long it takes to walk from the par park to where it is, and say, okay, well, you need to get to the car park, that day in particular was 6.30, in order to have enough time to walk out to the end, to the viewpoint, and then see the spectacular. So I was like, oh, man, we're 10 minutes late, we gotta gotta book it. Yeah. Because I didn't really pay that close attention. It is a full mile to walk from there to the viewpoint. So we made up the time by just walking quickly and, Mm -hmm. and not birding. But like when the,
0: we when we got there, there were only a few cars in the parking lot. Mm-hmm, yeah. And people were starting to come in, you know, as we were getting all our stuff out of the car. Yeah. Um, so yeah, right about that time, like the parking lot just fills up with everyone yeah, who Yeah, completely full. Yeah, who was coming for the spectacular and we didn't really know what to expect because like you said, you know, we researched it a bit and um there wasn't a whole ton of information except for the R S P B like be here at this time and yeah. walk this place and, yeah, then...
1: and fo- follow the trail all the way down and then you'll see it you'll you'll see the viewpoint there's once you get all the way out there there was a handful of blinds um or hides but um but there was not there was no facilities of any sort it was just kind of like this trail mm-hmm. going through um it wasn't a uh it was like a like a salt salt marsh of some sort kind of yeah yeah it had like um rose the rose the thorny roses i can't remember what it's called prim not primrose I don't know. There was, there was like hedgerows all over the place, um, through it, but, um, yeah, so we got, we walked out there rather quickly and kind of didn't really bird that much. We saw a handful of, a handful of things like linnets and wrens and.
0: We kind of did get stuck on the other side of the, like, berm.
1: We, yeah, for a few minutes. Looking at, yeah. at
0: birds and also, I, like, there were folks rushing past us with chairs and I was just kind of like intimidated. I was like, let's <laughs> let them go first. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so so this is the whole thing. Like, there's people that bring scopes and chairs, and they're they're ready. They're ready in it for the long haul. So we get all the way all the way through past all the canals, get all the way up to where it kind of opens up, and we we see out over into the bay, and we see a handful of like large shorebirds. There's uh, a couple of the Eurasian oyster catchers, some uh, some of the avocets that are just kind of plucking along. And then there's a bunch of people with scopes that are just like rushing and they're like getting stuff set up and they're looking and looking and looking and they're studying. So it's like, okay, this must be where we need to start.
0: So that's one of the things like about birding is that I always, you know, keep an eye about what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you do this so much, but the whole time I'm like whispering to Eric, like those people are doing this. Should we go do that too? And, you know, I feel like following... What the crowd is doing, you know, helps in these situations, especially because, like, you know, we didn't know anybody there, so we didn't really want to ask people, like, is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this where the spectacular happens? I know, and just be those Americans that are like, guide me. (laughs) Um, So anyways, we were just, I was being conscious of what everybody else was doing. And I just, you know, we plopped down at one place and I was like, okay, we're going to watch it from here. (laughs) And then everybody kept walking further and it's like, we're not watching it from here. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so so we 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 looked, we saw like a couple Dunlin, we saw um a couple of the common ring plovers, mm-hmm. um, and and just kind Wimberle,
0: of curlew. Yeah, so,
1: some some of the bigger shorebirds, and not a ton of them, but we could see off in the distance there was more bigger shorebirds. So it's like, well, if we walk along the bay, the tide's coming in, maybe maybe because the tide's supposed to push them in. So we'll go closer to the inner, inner edge of the bay mm-hmm. where all these people are walking. Yeah and we'll we'll just walk that way and see and then once people start stopping and gathering that's we'll we'll kind of assume that's probably good. So we, we just walked all the way down. We got all the way down to uh to a spot that's right next to the shore hide. So it's I think it's the last hide, the um the southernmost hide in the in the line of hides and it's it's kind of like this high spot that you've got the to the, to your west which is right in front of you is the whole mudflat So you got all this mud flat in front of you, and then straight behind you is the hide, and then on the other side of the hide is this, like, pond, this, this, uh, um, this kind of fairly shallow pond, Mm -hmm. and so you're standing in between the bay, open, open ocean, or open, open uh, channel water, and then the, um, the little pond that's to your east, so, like, most people seem to be gathering there, so it was like, it was a pretty good bet, this is, this is where we need to be.
0: Yeah, to watch and, this. and I feel like there was a lot of anticipation in the air, not just from, like, the people that mm-hmm. were sitting there, but also from the birds. Like, yeah. you just, they were all kind of just milling about, like, nobody really feeding or anything, just kind of walking and waiting for something to happen. And we didn't, you know, we didn't really have a great idea of what was going to happen. But then all of a sudden there were these liftoffs of mm-hmm. um they were dunlin right yeah the,
1: the first one the first groups of birds that we saw lifting off are the dunlin which which are this the smallest of all the shorebirds mm-hmm. that we were seeing out there so i mean the, i guess the common ring plover there was just there was like two or three of those guys yeah, they they're, they're smaller but the the the, the f- smallest flocking birds yeah. <laughs> that were, the smallest birds that were flocking were the dunlin and they they were coming they were flying super low and there was tons of them And they're just flying like fifteen or twenty feet over our head, and you just hear their wings just
0: like five hundred of them in these in these
1: groups. And and they're they're moving because the tide was coming in so fast. It's the which was which crazy. So the um I was looking at the the tide charts, and our tide charts, I'm I'm fairly used to looking at our tide charts. I see the negative two feet, and we're high tide at six positive six feet. I looked at the tide charts there, and it was going from one meter to uh to like six meters or two meters to six meters. So they have a four meter difference in high tide to low tide, which is huge. Like compared to us, like okay, we have eight feet. So we have like, like two and a half, two and a half meters or two, two and two thirds meters. Yeah. And it's like, they have a four meter difference between high tide and low tide. It's a huge difference. And in high tide to low tide. So that water is rushing in so fast.
0: And so what we're looking at while we're out there is, like Eric explained, you know, it was kind of a like a scrubby dunal area. Mm-hmm. And then where all the birds are at is a mud flat. And I yeah. mean, this mud flat. Multi-
1: multi-mile. When
0: we first got out there, the mud flat was, you know, the end of it, It where it hit the water, was mm-hmm. like maybe a mile away from us. Yeah. And you could increasingly see the birds moving closer and closer and closer. And like Eric mentioned about our tide, you know, what that we have here on the Oregon coast, like you can't really watch it come in. I mean, like, if you sit there for a number of hours, like, you'll yeah. notice that it was that far out, and now it's this far in. But we have the the waves and everything, so, like, with the wave action, it doesn't. It just happens so, like, minutely that you don't yeah, even it's, notice. it's very
1: incremental with the waves crashing.
0: And so when we were out here, um, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't really there's waves. There was a little
1: bit of waves, I, but it, it wasn't, like, ocean waves. It
0: was, like, it was like a very slow flood.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely seems like when you watch the, um, like, flash floods happen, yeah. and, and stuff like that, where it's just, like, the water is all of a sudden rising and coming, and it's just, it's steadily moving forward the whole time, there's no, like, flushing back a mm-hmm. little bit, it's just steadily moving forward the whole time, and the birds, like, you can watch the birds, we got a, I think we posted on Instagram, or Instagram and on TikTok, yeah, videos of these, like, the oyster catchers, yeah, like, just walking, and they're walking just straight to the left at, Basically as fast as they generally walk but without having to actually fly.
0: I mean and it's the water's like following right behind them It's like a leisurely stroll yeah. but it's like but
1: the water's just whoo, just coming right behind him you see the foam right on top of the water falling them. Like, yeah that water that water is going.
0: Yeah, and so as the water began to rise over this uh, mudflat, like we mentioned, the, the dunlid would fly over. Mm-hmm. There'd be a huge flock of them. And then, you know, sometimes the oyster catchers would get all riled up if the water came in a little faster or if, like, the and ones they, in front of them were moving. they'd, they'd flush a
1: little bit, and then they'd only fly, like, 10 feet and then stop and then start walking again. But then, so it started, it started getting higher and higher and higher, and the water, it, the water didn't really change speed. It was basically the same speed the whole time, mm-hmm. but it just... It was the just, like, a steady pulse. Steady steady pulse was coming in. And after a few minutes of just dunlin going over our heads, then that's when the red knots started. Yeah. Like, I, like, the birds, the shorter birds can't walk as fast because they have shorter <laughs> legs. So, like, the, it, it started off with the smallest birds and then larger birds. And then, the, so then the knots were flying over. And they were doing the exact same thing where they're flying in these huge, like, 500, 600 birds in a flock. Just, like, they'd swoop like over us and they would be so low cuz they're going from this open open water in the bay to this pond right behind mm-hmm. us. And so they they have no interest in flying super high cuz it's like I just I literally just need to get the water that's not moving at me anymore yeah. so I can rest. And so they just like fly like 15 20 feet over our head just whoosh. and it's you could feel the wind of their wings it was, it was it was, it was amazing.
0: Well, and when we were out at the furthest point that we went to, like, mm-hmm. you could look back and you just see these undulating flocks of yeah. shorebirds, like, just moving in between these two water bodies. Like, I've... So many birds. I've just never seen that many, like, red knots at a time. You know, yeah. when we have red knots out here, like, we're lucky if we get, like, what, 50 last year? No, but there also,
1: was a big, giant flock that we missed. Was there? Yeah. There was a huge flock out here that we missed. But, um, but yeah, when we went out there, there was, like, 50.
0: Yeah. So it's just, it's it like
1: one day, but out, out there it's like every single day, there's like these giant, like every single day that there's this spectacular going mm-hmm. on, like there's these huge flocks of red knots, yeah. huge flocks of Dunlin and oyster catchers. And,
0: and just to watch them evade the tide, you know, moving closer and closer up to the the vegetation that's on mm-hmm. the shoreline, which, you know, they were a mile out and now they're slowly walking yeah. towards you. They've, they've,
1: they've all walked a mile in straight at you. Yeah
0: yeah and so, like on the edge of the water, um there were some larger birds that were out there, like there were gray leg geese and Canada geese, um common shell duck mm-hmm. uh so they and the tufted ducks, they were also yeah. out in the water, and then they because of the tide, they were slowly moving yeah in they're they're just too.
1: they just were like floating on the water. they're like, we have no interest in walking, <laughs> but we'll stay at the deep at the shallowest part of water that I can still paddle in. <laughs> And so, they, and so they they just like moved in just as fast as all the shorebirds are moving in. But they're just floating, like twenty feet behind the shorebirds, just like in the water, floating. So all all, all the red knots are flying over. They're doing this undulating flight. They're it was just it was amazing. So I think it, things started to calm down. The water had gotten pretty much gotten pretty close to high tide well it wasn't wasn't quite to high tide but it was pretty close to high tide
0: i mean the thing that got me though was just the oyster catchers you know the eurasian oyster catchers are larger than our oyster catchers are our black oyster catchers they're more similar to the um the american oyster catchers that you see on the east coast (laughs) and the the gulf coast so they're they're a bigger bird than i'm used to seeing Um, but just to watch them all just walk in like that, like march away from the tide. And then it just kind of got to a point where it's like, there's nowhere else to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think if we would have stuck around and watched that a little bit longer, we might have watched them walk up on, onto a bank or something, but.
0: Well, and folks were chasing off that way. People
1: were following all the way around this bay, which I, we'd already walked so far and it was like, well, we, we, we we had bird fair to get back to. And what we else were we, we wanted... really going to see? That's kind, of, that's kind of what I thought. But um, So we ended up turning around and going and looking through the in from the hide to look at uh, wh- where all the shorebirds landed.
0: And there were a number of Which, people in there. Yeah, there
1: was a ton of people in there too. So but, I think probably people split off like 50-50. Half the people went over to go look in the hide and mm-hmm. half the people went to go ch- continue chasing to see if they could, I guess, find other species maybe that were... Do it. That were popping into the, um, at the end of the bay. Yeah, maybe. But, um, we went over to the hide to go see what was there, which we had, um, two different, both godwits. We had, uh, bar-tailed and black-tailed. That's where I
0: got my black-tailed. Yeah.
1: That was super cool. We also had Mediterranean gold. There was two of those guys in there. That was super cool lifer.
0: hmm
1: Um, but then all the red knots. Tons and tons of red knots. I the
0: shoreline. Thousands line, of red knots. I mean, it was almost like a settling pond sort of situation. Or it's yeah. like it's a long, just kind of a long, narrow pond. It mm-hmm. was there, and then there were a couple like spits that went into it, and then I think there were some um, like platforms. Yeah. Yeah, and they were just all every inch of land was covered by birds.
1: Oh, just covered by birds. So. Mostly red knots, but there was tons of other stuff in there. Like you just have to kind, of, kind of slowly scan through it and see if you can find whatever else is out there.
0: And so all these birds are sitting there waiting for the opposite thing to happen. They are waiting for the the tide to go back down, mm-hmm. so they can go to the mudflats and feed on all that stuff that's left over from the tide. It got all
1: stirred up and everything. Mm-hmm. So the um, the birds they don't they can't see over what's going on there. So I don't there there was a sign about this that said that they don't know what's going on, but they somehow sense that it's been long enough <laughs> that they can then fly back over and they, so like,
0: have their siesta
1: yeah they ha- they they rest long enough they're like i've rested long enough it must be time to go back and feed but so we didn't stick around long enough to see the opposite flight happen um, but i guess it's a little bit more sporadic mm-hmm. um there, it's not quite as cohesive as the flight in but we st- we stood there we enjoyed looking trying to find other stuff we could find in there and then decided let's let's start walking out of here we'll bird our way out of here and, and see what we can find so we got out of the hide, we started headed back, heading heading back. Had some baby oyster catchers, some baby avocets, like cheeping. That was that was super cool. And then the um we had a couple couple more linnets and I think this is where we found the um the bullfinch, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's bullfinch hanging around in the brush.
1: Yeah, that was that was super cool because we I our coffee mugs have bullfinches on them, <laughs> but we that was, we'd never seen one we would never before. seen one yet. So it was like so I was like, "Oh, that looks like my coffee mug." Yes. Coffee mug bird. <laughs> um,
0: but then as we were like looking at that, we started, you know, just looking around for different like passerines and things. And it turned out that there was a Ura- uh, European turtle dove yes. on a flagpole that was like right at the edge of one of the ponds.
1: Yeah. We, we were standing there. We, we saw like a, it was a European robin to start with on the ground mm-hmm. and we're sitting there looking at it. It was a, immature. So we we're like, oh, what is this? Trying to figure out what it is for a few minutes. I'm like, oh, no, it's a, it's a robin. It Obviously. Is, what are we done? And then a person and then a guy walked up and he's like, oh, what are you looking at? We're like, oh, there's a Robin. And he's like, oh, OK. And then he, he hears the dove, the turtle dove calling. And he's like, he gets really excited. And then we look up and I was like, oh, yeah, it's up on the flagpole. And he was like, oh, and he got super excited about it because I guess they're used to number really high at this place. And then their numbers over the last handful of years have just been lower and lower and lower. And so it's it's not every single time this guy goes out, he sees one. So he was super excited to see one. He's like, oh, I haven't seen one for like two or three visits. And it was also really exciting for us, as you know, from Champions of the Flyway.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. So now, you know, being able to see him on two continents, I th- think that's pretty exciting.
1: <laughs> that is pretty exciting. I mean, we, and we spent the last year like talking about and fundraising for mm-hmm. the European Turtle Dev and to now see one again. Like I, I saw one during the race day. Yeah, I, I saw it on race day. And then now I saw this one. Yeah, so, so that was really cool. It was super exciting.
0: We went out in the parking lot from there and just kind of looked through the shrubs a little bit more. We were still looking for a dunnock at that point.
1: Yeah, still hadn't found a dunick by then. <laughs> Even but though it's
0: on everyone's
1: list. If, if you listen to last week's episode, or two weeks ago's episode... Um, we, we found fa- it. We found a dunnock. You can, you can hear about that from last couple weeks ago. So at, at that point, we got back got back to the car and headed back to, uh, to Bird Fair.
0: And... So, you know, reflecting back on the Waiter Spectacular, um, we didn't really know what we were getting into so much. Like I said, we'd read blogs and, you know, seen what people had written about it and videos. But, you know, we were like, really people are going all the way out here to just see shorebirds move away from the tide. <laughs> and...
1: <laughs> it was it was worth the drive and, well, and the hike.
0: It, it was. It was definitely was. But it's just, it's such a... Amazing thing that somebody must have stumbled on at one point in time that, you know, they saw like these thousands of thousands of shorebirds that were moving, you know, from one place to another and then flying over you. And, you know, I'm glad that someone alerted the world to (laughs) this thing happens. And it's just such a cool experience to sit out there and just watch these birds fly over you and watch them move and in these sheer numbers like i've never seen like this many birds at one place
1: so it's the, the it's a huge number of birds that are doing this and they they do it every single day that's when when the conditions are a particular way which is really fascinating because there is a predictability to it the rspb has really snatched onto and they and they post it on a they post a pdf where it's on their website i can I, I think it's both of each season the dates and the times that it's going to be because it's relatively predictable the actual numbers of birds that are going to be there is not as predictable but the the event itself of suddenly birds all lifting off and moving is is rather predictable that the factors kind of kind of go in that it has to be a large tide a mm-hmm. large tidal sw- tidal switch so from low tide to high tide the high tide has to be early in the morning but not so early that the sun isn't up. Mm-hmm. So that morning it was the high tide was at 8.48. And sunrise was um, about four hours before that. So we had four hours of the sun to rise. Because you'll need to have enough sunlight to see them. But also the tide needs to be almost to the point where it's going to be high tide before this happens. Mm-hmm. So the spectacular started at like... Pro- it probably started around 8. I think i if if I, i'm try, I'm trying to think back to the how long we were out there, yeah, it probably it probably took us an hour maybe maybe it took us a half hour to get to where we were at and then started so maybe, maybe it was like seven thirty is when the spectacular actually the birds started doing their thing and it started mm-hmm. getting really exciting so that's that's about an hour hour and a half before high tide so the, the the conditions have to be very a very particular set of stuff sure the tide has the tide has to be early enough. It has to be during a time of year when there's a huge number of birds that are on the mud flats. so that's around the summertime, kind of into the fall, sometimes into the spring, but mm-hmm. I don't think it really happens in the winter. It didn't seem from their schedule to happen in the winter, but these things come together, and they can predict it, and they can say, okay, well, and because it, it wasn't every single week, and it's not every single day. Yeah. It, it just doesn't line up exactly right. So I, I just thought that was really fascinating that somebody has spent the time over the last how many ever decades I I imagine like mapping this and figuring out like going out there every single day and oh did it happen oh okay so it's this it's this much before tide or this much before after the sunrise and Mm -hmm. all that stuff
0: but it really is it really is an incredible sight to see I would recommend to anybody you know to go out and see it yeah and you know I so where we were standing the the trail that goes out there was a road Mm -hmm. uh for the majority of it not what we hiked up we, we hiked through a trail and then got to a road Yeah, and that road was along there were some houses. Yeah. I don't know if they were just like beach vacation houses or if they were like permanent residences. It's kind of hard to tell. But anyways, that road that went to those houses continued out and that's what we were walking along when we got to the bay. So they actually did have um, like permits that you can get from yeah. the RSPB. So if, you know you can't walk out on the trail then there's an alternative route for you to be able to get out there to see it yeah and
1: and there's all the information on the rspb website about that so you have to contact the warden i think they said five days five business days before just to make sure that you can get your permit in time to be able to drive out there but if you have mobility issues you can drive to within 100 meters I think of the first hide mm-hmm. and that's as far as you can drive but you can see most of everything from there at least so you can at least, you can at least get to that point without having to without having to walk and then like i was saying about the RSPB website about these they had so much information about the accessibility which was awesome to see so it's it gives the exact medium of what the trail is so it's yeah. sand and gravel that's that's undulating it t- said that there's a total of 62 steps up and really? down yeah the that are spread throughout the trail which it doesn't it's not 62 straight steps there's a section that had 10 steps and a section that had 15 yeah steps we had and to go over a berm and, and then we
0: had to go up another berm yeah so
1: so you have, you have to be able to navigate a total of 62 steps over a one mile a one mile span so it, they were very 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 like detailed about and thoughtful, and thoughtful about what potential issues could somebody with mobility challenges face while, while trying to travel this trail? And they do the same thing at all the other RSPB sites, too. It was just... I really read this one because <laughs> I was looking at it for this episode. So I was really looking at the accessibility page on it because I I was kind of looking for how long the trail is, and it doesn't really have how long the trail is, but <laughs> it has all of the other things about, about the trail, like what's it made out of, how, how hard it's going to be to walk, and how many steps, all, all that stuff. So that was really interesting. If, if you guys are... Happen, if you guys go to bird fair next year um it's only a two hour drive not not that long
0: but we don't know that they'll line up next year so yeah, you'll need to check the rspV Sham website yes. to when they come up with their 2023 calendar
1: I, I imagine they'll they'll probably come up with it by the end of this by the end of this year they'll probably post because i think it's a it's a it's a it's a um like a fiscal year calendar like it doesn't line up to december it, it lines up to like Something else. Well,
0: whatever the point. I anyways, like just somebody go and then they yeah,
1: miss it. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Check, check their website. Make sure that it's actually happening when yeah. you go. But anyways, um, thank you guys all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and or learned something new. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, and anywhere else that you listen to us. You can follow us on the socials. Um, Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram. You can follow us at Hannah and Eric Go Birding on Facebook, at We Go Birding on Twitter, hannah and eric go birding on tiktok
0: we also have uh and there's a new social media new called social media. vero that i was messing around with and so we're hannah and eric go birding on vero yeah
1: you can also email us at hannah and eric go birding at gmail.com just get a hold of us yeah or um our website www.gobirdingpodcast.com tell us what you like tell us what you hate and share us with your friends.